I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. We're the guys from that film, Stu, and this is our latest review, Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham. Directed by Christopher Berkeley and Sam Liu, Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham is the animated superhero film based on the DC Comics and comic book storyline of the same name, written by Mike Mignola and Richard Pace. The movie is out now, but if you haven't watched Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham, oh, it's a long title, and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find us, and feel free to leave us a review. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film's New Podcast. So, Luke, what is Batman The Doom That Came to Gotham about? An alternate Batman in the 1920s must fight against mystical and supernatural forces that are taking Gotham by storm after he accidentally awakens to being known as the Lurker on the Threshold. The Lurker on the Threshold. You're right. It is a long title for this movie or this um this comic book run as well. Now, as as usual, I've got no history with this comic book uh story well this particular title so i'm literally i went into this completely fresh you know what didn't even read the synopsis literally just put it on no idea didn't know about the setting didn't know which characters were going to be at the forefront what villains we were dealing with um yeah exciting (laughs) live it on the edge it was the same for me I've known of this comic for a while. To get ready for this review, as well as watching the movie, I got a hold of the the comic. Did I haven't got down to it, no. Oh, <laughs> I've got down to it. Read it. But what I did do is I made a start, and do you know what I realised? It's exactly the same. It opens the exact same way, and I had a thumb through it, and it does look like a close adaption. But I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Batman, what him anywhere? Vigilante, <laughs> pulp hero, superhero, send him back in time, put him send in him space. To the send you, him to Japan. <laughs> you can just pretty much do whatever you want with with Batman. He just seems Have to fit. And he's thought, oh, of course, Batman's of course been in space with the Justice League. Yeah, but absolutely. with this, what, though... What am I talking about? Like they're able to take Batman at his core, who he is, and not just him, like the Bat family. You know, Alfred's here, you know, all the things that you would associate with Batman is here in this story, but it's very different. And what I really like about it, you said going into it, not knowing which villains were going to be in it. Well, pretty much all of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but they were they were different because this is an Elseworlds tale, and although different, different enough to be different. Oh, I'm not explaining myself very well. <laughs> but it, like Poison Iron, for example, or Two Face, you're all the villains. It's kind of like yeah. they're different enough, but at the same time, you don't need to be told who they are. It's the different take That's of the it, character, you can, but I mean, you, you can follow it. I mean, like a a common comparison in more recent times is, you know, like the most recent 
film, The Batman, where, you know, the interpretation of the Riddler that we got isn't like the question mark bowler hat wearing, you know, menace that we've we've known. It's a serial killer type thing. So it's like it's an interpretation, the the core of the character there, but then it's a it's almost like if this villain existed in the real world this is what we would get now this obviously is taking that kind of kind of, i know it came to sort of first but just for comparison say it's taking the same sort of approach that we're looking at like a real world kind of setting through the lens of a 1920s i believe is the decade yeah is that what i wrote in the thing yeah, sure. you yeah. did let's go with the 1920s <laughs> let's stick with that and it's sort of applying it to that you know like the movie opens with i mean the first villain we sort of get a glance of is penguin and he's more of a um like a grotesque kind of you know mutated kind of man beast man kind of thing and again not knowing what this movie had in store for me i was like do you know what we have not gotten a penguin centric villain batman movie in a while and i was like cool here we are and then we don't see him again but that's <laughs> I was all I was all for it. I was like, you know, I want a penguin movie. I want a penguin movie. And especially would like you, what they would do. <laughs> would you settle for a penguin TV series starring Colin Fowles? Because that's on I his mean, way. Like, I know that's and again, <laughs> the spin-off of The Batman, same sort of same sort of thing there. But yeah, like what they did with the rest of the villains, like that's you know, that's the interesting hook with this movie. Um, you know, we'll get we'll get to the story and all that kind of stuff after, but I mean just to just to go through the rogues gallery and have these different interpretations like even at first like we you, you introduced to the mr freeze type character and it's this guy like in a fridge and it's sort of like is that mr freeze or is this a different character this was whilst i was still trying to work out what was what was happening i was like well it's not mr freeze because it's like he's not in a suit he's not but it's like oh i see what they're doing it's something different. and it's, it's interesting there's there's a bit of fun to be had with all of that well, Two-Face, they make him into a doorway and then he's stuck to the door and one half of his body continues to mutate and it's all purple. But but that's it. It's like, well, well, that's Two-Face, but in, in a different way. You know, we mentioned, you know, the, the creators of the original comic, like Mike Magnola, the writer. I mean, you'd know him as the creator of Hellboy. And, you know, whether it's Hellboy, um, other... Uh, creator-owned projects or DC comics that he's done, it does, they always tend to lean into what we get here. Like it's a bit more, you know, grotesque. And it works well for this story, for that horror supernatural element. But another one of his Batman stories that we've reviewed and have adapted already, Gotham by Gaslight, the Jack the Ripper story. So the guy's got some interesting ideas and we were talking more so you than me but just the the connected movies that we've been reviewing lately yeah. most recently legion of superheroes and i'm like but the next one is a standalone where they really just do whatever they want and and this is probably one of the more bonkers one that they've done in recent times the thing with that like even though it's gone bonkers and it's it's obviously a bit more creative in terms of you know, the liberties that they're taking, like the setting, the sort of the pulp angle of you know putting Batman in that in that sort of realm, it really works for the Batman character. Like it, it's just a world that it, it's 
it's almost like the perfect, it's probably the best kind of setting for Batman, you know, rather than taking that like sort of gothic, you know, dark route, which we've seen numerous times, or, you know, like the, the more heavy crime mobster kind of vigilante thing like this really does get to play into that pulpy kind of world and the 1920s setting i don't know there's a there's a certain charm to it like a lot of moments even though what i'm going to do now is reference like the 60s show and stuff like but there were moments where i'm like i almost feel like there could have just been like a bat phone or just something kind of kind of goofy and cheesy but just in line with just I don't know, almost like a 1920s sensibilities of it. I don't even know what I'm saying, but I don't know, something just felt kind well, of. I get cool. it. It does, and it and yeah. it works really well. Old, old timey, you know. Old timey, and not just for characters yeah. like Batman, Green Arrow, or Oliver Queen is in this, and I knew that he was going to be in it, but I didn't know how prominent he was actually going going to be. So it was great seeing him, Bob and Arrow, of course. Got it. You get the beard and all that is looking more, you know, rustic. <laughs> yeah, but I think that was enough, though. You didn't need to have other characters. So, again, you've got Alfred, you've got Bruce, Dick, but you, you didn't need to have any other characters. But Batman, Green Arrow, they fit together and work well in this story in the setting. Again, yeah, especially with that setting, that's that's the key thing. Well, I mean, like with all the characters, again, it's it, – you know, you've got so many of the of the rogues gallery that you, that we're playing with here. Plus, you know, like characters like Lucius Fox, um, you know, like Ra's al Ghul, Talia al Ghul, and like you like you said, like you know, Dick Grayson, Jim Gordon. There's enough characters. We don't need to, you know, get other superheroes thrown in there as well, just for the sake of it. It's it works well, and and sort of it's street level it's very contained even though big element of this movie is the supernatural side and 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 all that and i'll admit when we kind of do get to that pocket of of the movie i was sort of thinking i was like oh this this movie kind of went off the rails but again it's sort of like you know what they're just doing i mean in terms of the story they're just doing whatever whatever works and i mean i mean that's that's part of it i will admit like I feel like every time there is some sort of Batman story or, or a movie or TV show, whatever it is, and suddenly we start focus like it, it, we get reintroduced to like Ra's al Ghul and that whole side of thing. I feel like I'm getting a little bit tired of that. Uh, that's just sort of how I was feeling as I was watching. It's like, ah, oh, Ra's al Ghul again. Here we go. Oh, yeah, Talia al Ghul's there as well. And again, it's uh, I suppose that was in line with the supernatural stuff, sort of just you know, all happening. And I was like, ah, oh, this movie took a turn. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and you said kind of goes off the rails. It absolutely goes off the rails. It I mean, bonkers, this, doesn't it? It, it does. Nutty. Bonkers <laughs> is, the, is the right word. I mean, the the animation style, the, the colours, the purples, the reds, all of that. I mean, it, it starts off looking like Batman set in the 1920s and then ends mm. up looking like a different thing altogether i mean batman actually becomes a batman or a man bat he transforms at a point where the big foe believes him to be defeated but batman just keeps on coming he takes the man bat 
Siren we saw earlier on with Kirk Langstrom, but it was just interesting. Like, I mean, how many Batman stories have we read, watched? Not many end with him becoming an actual bat. So I was appreciating all the points of difference that we that we were getting in here, but for him to turn into Man Bat at the end and to be Gotham's protector in the shadows, it's like, great. Do I want to know what happens next? Absolutely not. The ending is perfect. It's just knowing he's out there. I don't need a sequel, whether it's a comic yeah. or a film. Do I want a whole series of Man Bat doing his thing? No, <laughs> but for the for the ending of this film, perfect. Yeah, and and again, it's because you know, like we're in this very contained story, this contained world, and we are able to have a little bit of fun with just some crazy, some crazy stuff. Um, but I mean, it's it's not just that. It's not just the fact of oh, it doesn't affect anything else, whatever. It's it's just like no look within the whatever it is, like 80, 90 minutes of, of you know, movie that this uh, story is explained, it's like, it's actually a pretty decent kind of little adventure that we have. And yeah, it gets pretty crazy. So the excitement's there, the enjoyability's there. And I've got to say, it's, it's, uh, it's a DC animated experience that I haven't had for a while. It's like, you know, it's just got, just got nutty and I mean to keep me engaged and focused big tick big tick but I was curious because you have been struggling recently yeah they've been pretty rough uh, yeah but again I think that's more so been the the connected films for you so I was curious how you go with this standalone one because one of the the second ones because they they restarted this whole thing didn't they they mm-hmm. they made the first connected film, Batman, Man, uh, not Batman, Superman, Man of Tomorrow. And then they did Batman, Soul of the Dragon as a standalone. That was the like, 70s set. And that was like um, Enter the Dragon style Batman story. <laughs> yeah. Again, different thing. But look, that goes to show it's like, just because this is a standalone entry doesn't automatically mean it, it has like the, the pass of, Look, it's more entertaining. They can do more crazy stuff, and it it'll you know that's the formula to make it work. Like that Enter the Dragon style. Ah, oh, that's right. I forgot you like, didn't really like that it one. It wasn't like I don't know. And you know, again, it was weird. Like uh, I like martial arts and that kind. You know, like an old kung fu movies and all that. But I just wasn't feeling it. Like it wasn't. So again, it's not the winning formula, but I think it definitely does help if I'm not engaged in the ongoing thing but even when when you have an ongoing continuity you still need like a single entry to be quality in itself it can't be reliant on what comes before and what comes after yeah connected that's, to yes, that's but true yeah, but do you know what be a contained story. before this we did legion of superheroes one of the criticisms i had on that it felt like you're watching a tv show or a pilot for a tv show it didn't really feel like a film it had good moments, but it didn't feel like a film. This one, absolutely. You talked about, you know, the runtime. I'm pretty sure the comic they adapted was a three-parter. And it felt like it had a beginning, middle, and end. Like you could give somebody this film. It's a complete story. 
Hmm. I mean, the so, end is crazy, but it's still of one piece. You're right. You know, like, I did. Starts, I did wonder. It's different now with streaming and you know digital purchases, rentals, and all of that. But like back in the day, you know, you'd imagine like parents would go into a JB Hi-Fi or whatever HMV, pick up <laughs> a new Batman DVD for their kid who likes Batman. Here you go. I bought you this new Batman movie. I guess it doesn't happen the same way now, but. A parent showing this to a kid, like, hey, you like Batman. Here's a, here's a new Batman movie. They wouldn't be prepared. The parent, the child, it's a different thing altogether. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a bit, I mean, that's why we've got classifications and all that sort of thing. But even, I don't know. I mean, this would be an M. They're pretty much yeah. all M's for us and then PG-13 in the US. But I was just I mean, wondering, though, because it, it is Batman. You look at the cover, the box art. Looks like Batman. The costumes are a little bit different. There's tentacles. You see the lurker there. But for the most <laughs> part, it just looks like a Batman movie. But it's not for kids. I mean, look, it it, it obviously like it definitely isn't for kids. But it, you know, it's not the most goriest or, or violent. I mean, obviously there is still yeah, like there's some gory elements. There's a lot of body horror though. Body dysmorphia. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kids don't want to see that. Is it? It is pretty gory, <laughs> to be honest. Or do they? Maybe they do. And that's how we sell movies: give the kids the gore. That's what they love. Um. Now, look. Some of the some of the performances. I'll I'll mention. I'll mention this. Look, we've had many. Uh, we've had many people play Batman. Many people voice Batman. Now, in this, um, David. Giantoli uh voices Bruce Wayne Batman. Now, on one hand, I'm like, the voice is quite fitting for I guess like the setting, and you know, like sort of what I'm referring to, like that pulp kind of feel. Um, almost like this was an old, you know, bat like the Batman serial kind of thing. But giving my honest opinion, I find like this performance from uh from David Giantoli just quite quite a whether i call it weak or just like a bit of an pretty uninteresting like it wasn't a voice that i was like yeah that's batman that's kind of just sounded like a guy yeah and it is um it's bruce wayne it, it kind of did sound like he was just going through the motions it but it was it's a different it's a different bruce wayne though you know and, he's not yeah, ending to be billionaire Playboy, like he's just going through life. Like he's he's got a mission. He's following it. Um, yeah, is it, I mean, yeah, is it, to go with the different setting, it, it's a different performance. So they're not saying, "Hey, can you come in and do Kevin Conroy or you know, some, some <laughs> other, you know, better known Batman?" And that's why I sort actors. of like, I, again, I'm in two minds with it. Like, in like I've sort of wrestled with. I'm like, do I like his voice or not? Like, I feel like it works because it's. The, the movie dictates that it should the setting all that kind of stuff the type of character that we're getting here but then at the same time i'm just like i just i don't know it just seems like a because it is so different to what we've been used to it, it's like it just doesn't give off batman vibes or even like the the what you'd expect to be like you know the suave bruce wayne type but again different i'm going to bring up an actor and we've talked about him a lot over the years 
who's voiced Batman for many, many films. And it's back when they, they were doing the new 52 continuity. Jason O'Mara. You hated him, eh? I just, <laughs> I struggled for the longest time. And then I don't know if I either started liking him as Batman or just, just got, gave up. You just got <laughs> just accepted it. Like, okay, this, <laughs> this is what it, this is where it's going to be. This guy didn't jump out of me as in like, oh, it's not working for me. I don't really like this, but O'Mara. <laughs> yeah. I think when we've had, I mean, we've had so many actors. There's been so many actors. That's now. It. I mean, for the longest time, Conroy would come back, whether it was Justice League, the Arkham games, you know, he would come back more than most. And then, We've just had so many actors since, so many, so many actors. And this is a one and done. So I didn't really have any particular critiques on his performance. I thought it was fine with with the story they were telling, the setting. Yeah, it just... Yeah, it's, it, it, it's not a major, like, you know, deduction or deter or whatever, like a, a negative. It's just like, just as I was watching, I just felt like, oh, it's kind of an underwhelming sort of performance there. But yeah, again, not, it wasn't horrendous. It was just... Meh. Get boring. That's all. This um, this is the last time I'm gonna put Amava down because I've seen him in other things <laughs> and I do like him as an actor. I'm starting to feel bad now because <laughs> he seems like I brought I him mean, up for no reason whatsoever. Other than just to a, put him a, down, just to rub his face into the dirt. Look, you're not bad mouthing the man. You're just bad mouthing his voice as Batman. It was just talking anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh. <laughs> Um, look, unless you've got anything else um, that you want to talk about with this movie or any other voice actors or actors in general that you just want to uh, badmouth. Um, Not badmouth. Uh, Tim Russ, Lucius Fox. That worked for sure. me. Uh, Tim Russ is good at delivering a deep uh, voice authority. You know, you'd know him as a Tuvok, Star Trek Voyager. Always liked him in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his brother was um, Teal'c in Star Trek SG-1. But, yeah, he the voice that I that I noticed in it. Um, who else do we have here? Jason oh, Marsden. David. Oh, I was good. Well, Jason, yeah. Jason Marsden as both Dick Grayson and young Bruce Wayne. Marsden, like, I've seen him, his name in lots of things over the years. Always good to hear him. John DiMaggio, James Gordon. So there's a lot of go-to guys in this as well as supporting characters. But, uh, David Dasmarchian as um, as Grendon. So, like, this guy always gets around. Like, he's oh, been in numerous he? comic book properties, including voice stuff. So I feel like just give him a shout-out every time. I mean, what did we last see in that? It's probably, uh, it's probably, probably one of the last thing, but Polka, Polka Dot Man. Polka Dot Man? Yeah, in, in live action, he, he voiced that squid alien in Ant-Man in Quantumania, or Ant-Man and the Wasp in, in Quantumania. Yeah, yeah. He was in that. And, of course, he was in the other Ant-Man films as, I forget the guy's name, but as, as a, let's, let's just say as a human. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I can't, remember, can't remember his name in that. It was, yeah, the, he, know, it was like Derek or something. I don't know. It was something very plain and generic. But he's working a lot at the moment. And um, he was, you know, even like recent DC work, he was Calendar Man in The Long Halloween. Yeah, so that would have been like the last voice thing that we've 
watched of his. That and then um, and then Ant Man. But yeah, but it's really impressive with the amount of times that he's just he's just yeah he's turning up a lot. Always there. In the first two Ant Man films, his character's name was Kurt. There you go. Yeah, that, like you know what? Hey, I said Derek. There's a K in there. I'm just trying to think. I'm sure there's something else that he's done. <laughs> he's done recently because it does just yeah, it seems to be popping up a lot. Oh, that's right. I watched um, Boston Strangler on Disney Plus. Sure. Recently, is in that? It just pops up in there. The Boston Strangler. Well, I'm not going to tell you. Places yeah. <laughs> people listening and they've not seen it. Is well, in the <laughs> weird Al Yankovic story movie. It was in What If as Kurt. Funny enough, but then he's in, like you say, Suicide Squad, June. He's been in the Flash TV series. Oh, the guy's all over. The, the guy is busy. <laughs> um, but that's sort of for that. I think we should probably rate the movie instead of continuing um, to go through his back catalogue. <laughs> absolutely. So Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. Um, what would you give this out of five? I'm going to go five. big with this one. I'm going to go big really? because yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, like, I mean, I typically know enough about DC to know what I'm going to get, what I'm in for. This one, I really didn't. I've not seen the trailer. I've seen a few screenshots. So I really didn't know what it was going to be and really enjoyed it. It's, I really like it when I can watch or read DC and it's something new that I've not experienced before. And I got that with this. So it, everything was working for me, just like it did with Gotham by Gaslight. That worked really well for me. And this does as well. And yeah, it really does go off the rails in the best possible way. And, you know, again, like when you've got the finale, you've got Man Bat, you've got all those purples and just that it's just so bright. You've got all the the Bat villains mutating, Poison Ivy's in there. It's just a lot of fun. And as a one and done film, thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to come in at a four on this one, four out of five. That's very, very fair. Yeah, look. Obviously, you you know how I've been tracking with these, and I gotta say, look, pleasant surprise to watch one and just be like, you know what, I'm enjoying this, and this is this is pretty cool. Again, I think I benefit from you know literally not knowing this story, or not knowing anything about this, because as things were happening, I was like, cool, what happens next, and where is this going, and oh my god, what's happening? This is crazy. That was a lot of fun. So there's some cool stuff here. I mean, it does get pretty bonkers. Does all that bonkin bonkeriness make sense? Yeah, kind of not really. I don't know. <laughs> um, but look, for me, for me, look, I had a good time, but I'm not going to go crazy with it. I'm happy to give this a, a very nice three out of five. So definitely, uh, you know, if you're, if you're like me, you find yourself, oh, I've not really been into these animated DC films lately. They're not really working. This is probably one that can get you back a little bit. And that's it for our review of Batman the Doom that came to Gotham. If you haven't already, check out our other shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics. Each of those shows also have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent reviews of The Whale and Shazam Fury of the Gods. And stay tuned for our upcoming review of Murder Mystery 2. You've been listening to Jason. And you've been listening to Luke. Where the guys from that film's view. See you soon.